Welcome to the show. Today's guest is Kavir Kison. Kavir is the founder of Global Beer Merchant. Kavir has a financial background and was first exposed to the beer business when he worked for SAB a few years ago. Kavir's philosophy is that if he starts his own business, it must be in an industry that he enjoys. And I'm very excited to hear that Kavir believes that there is still a market for good imported beer. My name is Holger Meyer and this is Beer World. Welcome to the show. And today my guest is Kavir Kisun. Kavir is uh, the owner of Global Beer Merchants. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, it's Global Beer Merchant. And and from the name, clearly you're involved in the beer business. Where did your interest in beer start? Um, so I think for me, beer has always been um, something that I've been interested in. And I spent a bit of time working for South African breweries as well. And uh, yeah, it's a fascinating industry from a production, a retail perspective, a commercial perspective. Obviously, I spent a lot of my time uh, on the finance side, um, but uh, you know that, that's my background. But uh, I've always had an interest in beer, and in particular, international beers from overseas. Um, subsequent to my time at SAB, I uh, have travelled a lot. Uh, and I've experienced uh, and been exposed to a lot of great beers from around the world. And I think, you know, this is really where my interest in um, the product has has come from and has developed. Okay. Uh, so you say you've got a finance background. That's that's not the typical guy that starts a beer importing business. Uh, no, it's not. I always felt uh, that if I was going to do something, of my own, it's going to be something that I'm quite passionate about and, and something that I really do enjoy. Um, so that's, that was always going to be the driver for me to kick off something. Um, it made sense for me to to do it with Hofbrau. Um, having been to the Hofbrau house, having been to Oktoberfest, um, it's a product that I've always enjoyed and I felt uh, for me it was one of the best beers that I've drank. So uh, all of it made sense. Yeah. When did you first come across this brand, or when did you first decide to get involved with this brand? Um, so I went to Oktoberfest in 2008, so I'd just been married um, earlier in the year, so it was almost like a second honeymoon for Did you take your wife along? We yeah. did, <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So we did a... I think like many young um, South Africans were fortunate enough to do that um, Kontiki tour, um, which is, yeah, it's a whirlwind tour of Europe, but at least we got to spend some time at Oktoberfest. And um, that's when I, for the first time, got to taste the brand. Uh, prior to that, I mean, I'd known about it, um, read about it, um, seen it uh, online. So... Uh, no, knew about it, but you know, the Oktoberfest was the first time I actually got to to drink some of it, yeah. and I just, you know, immediately fell in love with it. Now, being at the uh, at the Hofbrau House as well was quite special. Um, the way in which they they serve the beer, uh, the beer mug uh, was just for me something completely different, um, unlike anything else you'd experience in South Africa. So that's where I saw it, and that's where you know, for me, I felt like. That was an awesome experience. That's when I would, would bring it back to South Africa. 
So for me, um, my first memories of German beer, I, I was a lighty and our neighbor came to visit. Um, and as I explained earlier, all in, in, in the area I grew up, all the farmers were, were German um, descendants of German uh, missionaries and um, artisans. And this guy went, so it was quite important for everybody to do at least once in their life, go back to Germany and, and do a tour. Um, and this guy, what impressed me most was this guy came back with a coaster. And he he told the story that they mark, just every time you order a beer, you just get a mark on your coaster. And I, I was fascinated. And I must have been 11 or 12 years old. But this just stuck in my memory. And the fact that then he explained, we went on to explain that, Every beer was served in in a special glass. So if you know, branded with that brand, and that just fascinated me. And to this day, I'm fascinated by that. Um, and I guess that's uh, where my fascination with with German beer started. Um, I've also been to the Oktoberfest a few times, but f you know, if you if you're not lucky enough to be in Munich during Oktoberfest season, I think. The Hofbrauhaus is really the same as as going to the Oktoberfest. There's a Umpa band. There's lots of people. It's a big beer hall, and it's it's really a full time Oktoberfest, isn't it? It is. It's quite a festive um, setting to be there. Um, you're right. You've got all the um, festivities of the Oktoberfest at the Hofbrauhaus. You've got um, yeah the the beautiful looking girls, and you've got the pretzels at the size of your face and obviously great beer um maybe less of a crowd so that might suit some people uh, but uh, yeah just absolutely great to be there and uh, i mean you mentioned munich as well what a beautiful city to go to and, and spend some time in the english the gardens and um we we did a, a bicycle tour around the city as well which um you know, I, I didn't hadn't ridden a bicycle for about ten years uh, <laughs> when we went, and I thought I'll wake up all blue and and stiff. But actually, um, what a beautiful city to ride a bicycle! Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of cycling enthusiasts that um, do listen to the podcast, and yeah, I think that they certainly should be on their bucket list to go and do some kind of cycling activity out in Munich. It's a really beautiful city um, to do to do that kind of thing. Yeah. And to experience, um, I, I would, I think the best would be to cycle from one beer garden to the next. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, you'll definitely you, you work it off, and you should be able to spend a couple of hours out, uh, you know, seeing the city. But such a historic city as well, and so many landmarks um, to go and spend some time and um, yeah, and catch some sun as well. Go in the summer, obviously. Um, and lots of good beer to drink. Yeah. And the Hofbrau House is it's owned by the by the state, and it's obviously a big source of revenue for for the state. Um, was it was it difficult to negotiate uh, the rights to import the beer to South Africa? Um, yeah, I think it was uh, interesting discussion. Uh, you know, I, I contacted the guys and, and we had to do quite a few business plans and, and some detailed um, presentations to, to really convince them. Uh, I know for a fact they were considering 
um, tenders or proposals from other suppliers as well at the time. So, yeah, for us, it was really a, a big coup for us to get this deal. And uh, I think we've built our relationships with the, uh, the representatives of the, the Hofbrau house uh, quite a bit. We worked a lot on building those relationships um, with, the, with the brand. And it's something that we continue to, to work on. And obviously, you know, the interest is for us to continue servicing lovers of the beer in South Africa and keep bringing down um, uh, the product and, and maybe, you know, one or two of their speciality brews uh, over the course of the year. Uh, yeah, that's important. But I think just back to your question, was a, a bit of a challenge and we're just glad to have gotten a deal. And, uh, yeah, I may keep going from strength to strength. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it, to me it looks like um, their typical business model is that they set up these Brau houses across the world in, I guess, touristy areas. And and I'm, I'm very grateful to say that some of my friends, when they travel overseas, they come back with a T-shirt from uh, from the States or wherever, Hofbrau House, uh, I can't remember, the one was from some ski resort and uh, I've still kept that as a prized possession. Um, is that their typical um, business strategy, or is it do they export to a lot of countries? Um, from our our discussions with Germany, so they do have a hybrid model. Okay. They've got um, obviously a number of Hofbrau houses uh, around Europe, quite a few in the States uh, and a few in Asia. Um, but they are present in 53 countries around the world. Okay. So obviously a lot more distributors uh, than actual Hofbrauhaus House uh, mm. countries. Yeah, and I guess it, it's too expensive, or, or can we expect a Hofbrauhaus House in, in Joburg? I think um, yeah, when the time is right, uh, possibly uh, we would look to do it. I mean, we've already spoken about it, uh, myself and my fellow investors and we've spoken to Germany about it. Um, I think when the time is right, we need to see the brand grow a bit more. And obviously it's about location as well. And so the right location comes up. Um, it could be Johannesburg. It could be Cape Town. Uh, it could be Pretoria. You know, I think um, sometimes uh, investors forget about Pretoria, but the yeah. guys out there really do love their craft beer and, and they love uh, imported beer as well. You could put it right next to the German school. <laughs> that might not be a, uh, a bad idea, but I'm not sure uh, we'll get all the approvals to do it. <laughs> but uh, we'll have to, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Kavir, what what has been the biggest challenge for you um, since you started uh, the the beer business? Should I say, should, should I say besides COVID, what was the big, what were the biggest challenges that you faced? Yeah, obviously it was it was COVID. But other than that, um, you know, I think the uh, the brand is known in some areas um, of the market, but there's also a lot of young consumers that are coming through now that may not have heard of the brand. So it's about you know just that challenge to get the awareness going. And to get uh, just to expand our footprint, which is you know would be a normal part of business and normal challenge for any importer uh, coming to to South Africa. 
uh, other than other than that, Holger, you know, we found people really open to uh, listening to us, open to tasting. Obviously, who wouldn't want to taste free beer? Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, you know, a lot of outlet owners. Um, we talk to them; they know the brand, uh, and they want to take us in store. Uh, at times, maybe price uh, price point might be a bit challenging. But, uh, you know, I think we're slowly winning the battle of educating outlet owners, educating retailers and consumers that there's a big difference between an imported international brand and a locally produced international brand. And sometimes we get compared in that way and that's not really fair. But I think people are, are starting to realize that there's a, it's a big difference in the quality as well. Yeah. Fortunately for importers, I mean, the craft beer revolution has kind of created a, an awareness of more expensive beers. Before the craft beer started, I, I think uh, it was even harder. It must have been you know, a massive challenge for the crafters when they first came out to try and convince retailers to sell you know, a, a draft for one and a half, if not two times what the mainstream beers were going for. But I think they, they did such a great job at creating this awareness um, around a true premium um, draft beer and they created this concept of craft beer they did it so well um, that it really did take off uh, the other thing that that i want to just to point out and i think why i'm so uh, impressed with how our crafters have been so successful is is in promoting different styles of beer yeah and you know for a long time our local manufacturers were, were producing lager maybe one or two other styles of beer uh, and, and maybe one or two seasonal things. Um, but the craft has really brought things like vice beer and IPAs um, to the market in a far more, um, I would say, in a far more appealing manner for consumers. And they did a great job at it, and they brought some good products out there. And, and you know, that that's opened it up for some of the international brands to come through with different styles of beer. Yeah, you're right. You know, when when before I did the beer book, um, it was all, everything was a lager and it was just, I remember doing Drink Your Way Around the World and it was drinking drinking a lager from 10 or 20 different countries in the world um, rather than today it's all about drinking different styles and I think that's something that, I, that I, my aim with the beer book was to educate people about drinking different styles and also drinking in from different glasses because that is obviously a fascination of mine and you've got these beautiful glasses that you bring in um tell us a little bit about your glassware you, you're absolutely right and it's different um glassware and they're shaped differently uh and they're very deliberate about it if you look at um you know our lager um glass it's a, a broad uh neck and it's, it's a nice um beer mug so, you know, that just allows you to pour the beer quite easily. You get a nice head on it, and it retains the gas and head uh, in that manner. Um, we look at a vice beer. We've got um, a glass that's it's, it's slender at the bottom, and it comes up with a slightly broader uh, mouth at the top. And that's also quite deliberate because uh, you pour vice beer um, as you would pour lager, and the difference is that, you know, you know, obviously you hold back the bottom bit, give it a bit of a stir in the bottle, um, so you get more of those um, 
the flavors and, and the ingredients that do settle at the bottom, you get some of that coming out and then you pour that uh, into the beer and you can actually watch uh, the way in which the color changes and you watch the way in which some of those um, uh, ingredients actually settle at the bottom of the vice beer. Uh, and I think the way in which that glass is designed, it just helps with that transformation to happen. And it's actually quite a nice thing to see. It makes the beer look a bit more delicious and a bit more appealing. And obviously you're getting all the flavors into uh, into the beer. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's something maybe people don't always pay attention to and may not always be aware of. But um, you're right, the glassware does have a big a big um, uh, part to play in how it retains the flavor and how it retains um, the actual uh, head on the beer, which is also a very important thing when you do pour a beer. And most importantly, I guess, if you're sitting in a in a restaurant or in a bar and you see somebody pouring that beer in that beautiful glass, you immediately want to order one of them yourself. Absolutely, and especially that beer, that beer mug has that uh, dimpled effect on it, which, uh, I don't know, it just does something, the way in which it reflects light and the golden color of the beer, it really does come through and, and look, uh, yeah, a whole lot more appealing. Yeah. So, so just talk us through the different beers that you have on offer at the moment. Um, yeah, we've got uh, so we've got the Hofbrau Original, which is a, a Helles Lager. Um, it's a 5.1% ABV, um, quite uh, uh, refreshing, uh, quite a crispy um, lager beer to to drink, and uh, you know not too not too heavy uh, as well. We've got a Münchner Weiss, which is um, also one of our, our best sellers. It's um, traditional Bavarian Weiss, uh, quite smooth in its taste compared to some of the other imported Weiss beers that you may have drank. Uh, so that's quite different. We do a Schwarzer Weiss, which is very similar to the Münchner Weiss, with the exception that it uses um, its malts are, are, are roasted. We do a Dunkel. Um, the Dinkel is um, one of the first brews out of the uh, Hofbrau House. So from uh, back in 1573, this is actually one of the, the first beers. Uh, the Dinkel has got uh, some subtle caramel and chocolate taste uh, taste notes. So that's really um, quite different to other styles of beer that you get in South Africa. And it's one of my favorites. Um, Holger, this time I'm also quite excited to tell you that we've got um, a, a seasonal product coming through uh, on, our, on our next shipment arriving early April. It's the Hofbrau Maibock, uh, which is a Bock beer. So um, some of your listeners will, will be quite familiar with this. It's a, obviously a bottom fermented beer um, and it's quite a strong lager beer. Uh, in Europe, they do this uh, more towards the end of winter, uh, you know, to kind of coincide with the ending of winter. Uh, they kind of say it's a symbol of something good that's coming. So the Maibok is a, uh, said it's a strong lager, uh, dark amber in color, and it's actually brewed with four variants of malt, four variants of hops at 7.2% uh, ABV. So coming in at... Uh, the 330 mls and uh yeah that should be available on take a lot or you can also order directly from us um 
but as I said, it is just a special brew that the, the Germans do uh, now uh, for their March and April period. Yeah, that's always an interesting thing that there are so many speciality or seasonal beers, including the Oktoberfest. I mean, there, there's always a special beer brewed for the Oktoberfest, but the the Maibok is, is a very important time for brewing and when the when the seasons change like that. Um, I was reading the other day that Helles is now the fastest growing uh, style of beer in Germany. Um, and that is also the biggest style of beer or the most popular style of beer consumed in Munich, if I'm not mistaken. But it's certainly growing in popularity. Um, so that's the Helles and that would be your original. Yeah, that's our, our Hofbrauch original. Mm. Um, as you said, it is a Helles. So uh, and that's quite interesting. You know, Munich is, is obviously um, known for its vice. Um, but I'm not surprised. The, in South Africa, we see it. It's also our number one seller. Okay. And uh, it's been doing really well. A lot of people seem to also enjoy it. Yeah, Yeah, it's not a well-known style here, but it certainly is, is in Munich. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, that's good news. So you say that will come in, in, in during April? Yeah, so we've got uh, uh, that around the 4th of April expected in um, to come through and it should be available uh, for, for consumers if they want to try something quite different, quite seasonal. And um, yeah, it's just, you don't get a lot of uh, Bock beer around in the in the bottle stores or... Uh, certainly something interesting for people to look out for. Yeah. And as we speak, I think the big multinational companies that control the South African beer market are rationalizing their price lists and cutting out whatever Bok beer there was still in available in South Africa might be gone. <laughs> yeah, that, that's um, actually a bit of a pity, but... Uh, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's the first time we're bringing down the, the Maibok. Um, obviously, we didn't want to do too much in the first two years of our contract. And obviously, with lockdown as well, it was a bit difficult to judge. But, uh, yeah, it's nice to get some of this down here. And, yeah. and is, is draft beer a possibility or is it just a different business? Um, so we are definitely uh, looking at uh, bringing down draft. We've got quite a few on-premise outlets that are doing good volume. So that's you know the first trigger point for us to ensure that uh, we do supply outlets with draft. They're going to be able to sell out um, in the right amount of time, so that consumers can can be continuously served with fresh beer. You know we don't want outlets keeping cakes open for. Uh, you know, two or three weeks and serving poor product to consumers. So I think, as I said, we've got a few outlets that are um, serving at the right volume and it's something that we are looking at doing. Um, Holger, in our plans at this stage, we think it's going to be around September 2022 launch. Um, so going into the summer uh, by the end of this year. Now the dangerous question, <laughs> where is the best place to drink these beers? For me, there's nothing better than having a good Weiss beer in a German restaurant. So have you got a lot of support from, from the German restaurants? 
Um, we've got a lot of support, actually, uh, and they've been fantastic from the time that we we started. As I said, a lot of the guys identify the beer, and, and they've been really good to take us on board. Um, we've worked with a lot of um, the retailers. Olga, I must admit that the guys are quite smart about what they do. Um, they're very specific about which styles of our beer they want and which styles of uh, the other German brands they want. And, and they're quite clever in how they build, a, they curate, you know, how they curate their craft beer offering. So, yeah, it's, it's worked for us, and I think they've done it in a manner where they can accommodate everyone. Okay. Uh, just to answer your question, so, I mean, we had to drink off-brow. Um, up, uh, down in, in KZN, and so we are stocked at Siggy's uh, down in Salt Rock. I'm sure you are familiar with that one. And we're looking, uh, just looking out for new outlets to to grow the brand down there. But that's still been new. Uh, if you're familiar, you're going down to the Western Cape. Um, the Thirsty Scarecrow out in Stellenbosch. Um, that's a fantastic um, beer pub to go out and support our brand, but also to support um, the craft beer market in general. And then uh, up here in Kating. Uh, we've got quite a few supply uh, stockers. Obviously, we started out here. Uh, the German out in uh, Broad Acres and Poways, um, Schwaben out in uh, in uh, the Bedford View side, African Swiss. If you're heading out to Michalisburg, um, we've also got the Van Gaal and Cheese Farm, and um, the Berliner Butchery. Uh, they also do stock and and sell for off-premise consumption. Um, Bottle stores, Holger, were in macro, in quite a few tops outlets, the Norman Goodfellas. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's great to go out there and you can grab yourself uh, a beer if you want to drink on-premise or take it and maybe have a couple of pints at the braai um, at home. Okay. Kavir, where's the best place for people to follow you on social media? Um Yeah, so social media, definitely. We've just relaunched our Facebook and Instagram pages. Um, so you can get us globalbeermerchant.co.za. Uh, you can also leave us a message to check us out uh, online. We've, re we've relaunched our website, uh, www.gbmafrica.co.za. Um, so all of those platforms, uh, we've done a lot of work just to um, look at our content and try and get the right messages across to consumers. And as I said, we've relaunched those. Uh, we'll be driving a lot more awareness about outlets and retailers uh, just to give them a bit of a push as well. So, uh, yeah, watch out for a lot of content coming through, especially on social media. Kavir, thank you for, thank you for joining us today and um, for growing the, the choice in South Africa, the choice for the beer drinker. Yeah, great stuff. And that's, all, that's what we're about, and it's global beer merchant. Um, we want to bring uh, great international brands to South Africa. And for us, this is the start. And hopefully, uh, we're going to bring a lot more for consumers to enjoy. Thank you for listening to our stories here online. In the show notes, you will also find a link where you can subscribe to become part of our community and be notified when we upload our latest content.